Does the Bible seem outdated and irrelevant? Does it seem like the Bible is a relic of a bygone era? What does a text that's thousands of years old have to say to us today? After all, we don't live nomadic lives in a desert. We don't travel to temples to make animal sacrifices, nor do we fear for our lives from Roman soldiers. And on top of all of that, the Bible is full of tales about God interacting with humans, performing miracles, destroying cities, and becoming a man. It all seems like the mythology of ages past. Well, believe it or not, the Bible knows us better than we know ourselves. Its critique of human power and civilizations still has the power to expose our own arrogance. By calling us to obedience to the scriptural God, scripture transforms us and we are freed from our slavery to the pharaohs of our day so that we can walk the way. You're listening to The Way with Father Dustin Lyon, the podcast that explores how scripture frees us from the pharaohs of our day so that we can walk the way in obedience to the scriptural God. Welcome to the first episode of The Way podcast. I'm Father Dustin Lyon, your host. Thank you for joining us. As I said in the introduction, this is an exploration of Scripture, how it kind of exposes our own sins, our own arrogance, and calls us to obedience to God. And in this way, we're freed from Pharaoh, who used to enslave the Hebrews. So anyway, the way refers to what early Christianity was called. Before it was called Christianity, it was simply called the way, in a reference to a Roman road. It's a way of walking, a way of living your life, so that uh, you're transformed by that. This week we celebrated the Feast of Peter and Paul, and I think they are a perfect example of how to live the way. Looking at how they interacted in Scripture kind of sets a precedent for how we as Christians should be acting and how we can be walking the way. So I want you to think with me. If I were to ask you as an American, what are your values, your core values that really make you an American? I'm sure all of us would turn and say it's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These are our values as Americans. It's what we hold in common with one another. It's our way of life, if you will. And if anybody transgresses one of those threes, life, liberty, or the pursuit of happiness, we're not happy. It irks us. It's an assault on our identity as Americans. In fact, what we're seeing today is that these values are coming back to haunt us. Uh, Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness has not been true for all peoples in America. In fact, for the slaves, it was almost the exact opposite. And so we're being called out for not living up to our own values. The idea is that we can build a better America where life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness do apply to everyone. Well, believe it or not, we're not the only people who have core values. And in the first century, at the time of Jesus, the Judeans had their own values. So the three values that the Judeans held in the first century was the Torah, the temple, and the land of Israel. The Torah is the Hebrew word for law. This is the Old Testament, the five books of Moses. And this means following the law. It means being circumcised as a male, following the purity laws, keeping kosher, and keeping the Sabbath. The second one, the temple, was a reference to the Jerusalem temple. It was here that you would go and make a sacrifice for your sins, for your family. 
And there were certain pilgrim feasts where people would come to Jerusalem, uh, where they were required to come and make their sacrifices there at the temple. And the third value, the land of Israel, is one that we still deal with today. You can see the politics in the Middle East, how people are fighting over this land. So in the first century, these three values, Torah, temple, and the land, is what made up Judean identity. These are the things they held to. Um, it would be like us um, as Christians talking about uh, baptism or uh, going to church on Sunday or talking about the Orthodox countries in the, in the mother countries and how important they are, um, that these are values that they held in the first century. So I want you to imagine. Imagine if someone were to come into our churches today and they were to tell us, don't worry about being baptized. Don't worry about being chrismated. It doesn't matter. You can be Christian without doing those things. Imagine if someone came and said, don't worry about going to church on Sunday. Uh, you don't have to do that. Or imagine if someone were to say to you, don't worry about Hagia Sophia in Constantinople. It doesn't matter. It's okay that the Ottomans got it. Well, for Christians today, that would be very problematic. We would be, um, we would be upset with this person. And if they were preaching in our churches, we would probably throw them out of the church. Well, in the first century, there was one such person who came preaching against these three values that the Judeans held, the law, the temple, and the land. It talked about how to be a person of God, to be one of God's children, you no longer have to follow the law. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're circumcised. It doesn't matter if you keep the purity laws. It doesn't matter if you keep Sabbath or kosher. And on top of that, this person who was preaching said, it doesn't matter if you go to the temple, you don't have to do animal sacrifices. In fact, those sacrifices are meaningless. And this person came and they was talking about the land and they said, God is not claiming just a little land, but claiming the entire world. So it doesn't matter if this is where the Judean people are. They can be all around the world. And so in the first century, there was a person preaching against these three core values of the Judeans. And as you can imagine, it didn't go very well. Things were not peaceful. Well, it may surprise you to find out that the person preaching against these three values was none other than Paul himself. His idea was that people became children of God through the faithfulness of the Messiah, through Jesus Christ. And it was by faith, by trust, which is probably a better translation for this, that people became close to God and that they were transformed by God. And so uh, you, can, you can see not just the tension between Paul and the Judeans, but there are also Christians who held to this Judean ident identity as well. And so they were also upset with Paul. Now today we think of uh, the Judean Christians as Peter or James, those that were Christians in the Church of Jerusalem. And so this tension built up in the first century between Paul, who challenged all these identities and talked about faith in Christ, and these Judean Christians who said, no, you first have to become Judean and follow the law. You have to sacrifice in the temple. You have to be a part of the land. It's a part of our identity. So a tension was built up between these two camps. And so they came together in Jerusalem to settle their differences. And it's interesting, we talk about the first council uh, being in Nicaea, but really the first council was in Jerusalem. This is in Acts 15. And what's interesting is the way that Acts presents it is Peter sides with Paul at the beginning. 
So here's what he says in Acts 15, 7 through 10. And Peter rose and said to them, Men, brothers, are you aware that from days long past God chose the Gentiles among you to hear the word of the good tidings through my mouth and to have faith? And the God who knows hearts bore witness, giving them the Spirit, the Holy One, just as he did us, and made no distinction between us and them, the us being the Judeans and them being Gentiles. It says, they purified their hearts through faith. Why, therefore, do you now put God to the test, so as to place upon the neck of the disciples a yoke that neither our fathers nor we were strong enough to bear? In other words, what Peter is talking about is he's saying, don't you know that uh, the, the law, the temple, the land, all those things don't matter? And in fact, when we had to follow those things, when we had to follow the law, we were found to be lacking. We couldn't do it. We messed it up. So if we can't follow the law, those of us who have always had the law, our fathers, our forefathers, our grandfathers, all of our ancestors have followed, if we can't do it, why would we make the Gentiles also take on a Judean identity? And so they debated this. Uh, James on one side and Paul on the other. And finally they did come to a resolution. And this is what X says. For it was resolved by the Holy Spirit and by us to impose upon you, this is the Gentiles, no greater burden than these necessities, to abstain from things sacrificed to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from whoring, by keeping yourselves from which you will be doing well. Farewell. So in other words, so the council that was held in Acts, uh, they decided that the Gentiles can become children of, of God simply through faith, through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. And they don't have to take on these three identities that were held by the Judeans in the first century, that law, the temple, and the land. And so things went well. Paul went out in his ministry among the Gentiles, and in fact he ends up in Antioch, and Peter is there too. And they seem to be following what they had decided, that everyone, whether Judean or Gentile, can sit down together at one table. This is table fellowship, what we would consider probably communion today. As long as you had trust in the Messiah, trust in Jesus Christ, you were allowed at the table and we ate together as one people around God. But then uh, in Galatians 2, Paul starts talking about this incident in Antioch and heads clash. It says that a few people from the Jerusalem church, uh, from James's camp, came up. And Peter was kind of convinced by them because they were still promoting the identity that you had to become Judean before you could become Christian. And so Peter breaks table fellowship. He no longer eats with the Gentiles. He pulls back. And Paul is not very happy. Paul calls him out on this. He says, we agreed that this doesn't matter. We agreed that our identity is now based around Jesus Christ, not about the law, the temple, or the land. And so after calling Peter out, um, we all know that they're able to reconcile. But there was a clash. They didn't always agree. And even though they had come to an agreement at the council in Jerusalem, Peter and Paul still butted heads. And Paul had to call Peter out on it. So this clash between these two disciples is the reason today that these two are condemned to be in the same icon, 
while there are icons of just Peter or just Paul, um, the icon of both of them is the one that's more common. In fact, when we celebrate their feast day, we celebrate them together. Unlike the other disciples, Peter doesn't have his own feast day. Paul does not have his own feast day. They're together because it's a reminder to us. Even when we don't agree, we have to find a way to reconcile our differences, just like Peter and Paul did. And in fact, we have to learn to reconcile our differences just like Peter and Paul did. Because this faith in Christ means walking the way. And walking the way means that we learn to love our neighbor, even if that neighbor is different than us, even if we disagree with that neighbor. Now, we may think this is something trivial, Peter and Paul arguing over uh, aspects of the faith, but the heart of it came down to what does it really mean to live that Christian lifestyle? And in order for Peter and Paul to live as Christians and to walk the way, they had to reconcile. They had to find a way that they could sit down together in table fellowship. That applies to us today. More than ever, we want to walk the way by saying, I'm right and you're wrong, by affirming what we believe and disavowing what the other person believes, especially if they disagree with us. I can go onto uh, Facebook and I can look at Orthodox websites, and all I see is people arguing. They're arguing over whether the Greeks are right or whether the Russians are right. They're arguing over communion spoons. They're arguing over the Council of Crete. They're arguing over Ukraine. But the gospel tells us we must be like Peter and Paul, and we have to learn to embrace one another. We have to see the other person as a child of God. We have to learn to love our neighbor. And so the question isn't, how am I right, or how are they wrong, and let me prove it. The question is, if I disagree with them, how can I show them the love of neighbor? And it's not just inter-Christian uh, disputes, it's anyone we disagree with. Christian, non-Christian, uh, whether they're Muslim or Jewish or Hindu, it doesn't matter. The question always for us, if we're going to walk the way, and if Peter and Paul are going to be our example, the question is always, how can I show them that I love them, despite our differences? In fact, this applies even outside of religious traditions. If you look at politics, the liberals are criticizing the conservatives, and the conservatives are criticizing the liberals. It's Democrat versus Republican. But it doesn't matter which side you're on. The question is still the same. If you're a liberal, how can you show a conservative the love of neighbor? And if you're conservative, how can you show a liberal the love of neighbor? Because that's what it means to walk the way. So these early saints, uh, Peter and Paul, that we just celebrated, had their dispute. They clashed heads in Jerusalem, although they were able to figure it out. And then they clashed heads again in Antioch. They broke table fellowship. They went out of communion with each other. They thought that the other was wrong and that they were right. But their identity, as we found out, was not about the law, not about the temple, not about the land, but about faith in Jesus Christ. And that means walking away and seeing the other as your neighbor and showing them love. So this podcast will continue to explore how Scripture teaches us to walk the way so that we can be transformed and grow closer to God. I hope you subscribe. I'll see you next week.